Good morning. Good morning. How about that weather this weekend? It's pretty nice, huh? Pretty nice. Hey, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and flip open to the very uh, first page. That's Genesis chapter 1. And this morning we're going to hang out in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, talking about the creation story. The creation story, you know, goes through chapter 2. But this morning I just want to hang out in the first two verses. And before we get there, like Megan talked about at the beginning, we're starting this new series called God's Renown Revealed. And kind of the, uh, kind of, kind of the umbrella uh, passage for this series is, is our mission as a church, and that's Isaiah 26, 8, and it says, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. The renown is the desire of our hearts. The fame of God is what we most long for. For us personally, we want the fame of God to sink deeper into our hearts. And we want the fame of God to be spread to those who don't know God. That is the desire of our heart. And so we're going to walk through this series, God's Now Revealed, and we're going to take these childhood stories and we're going to look at how is God's fame, how does God's fame sink down into my heart in this story? And how can I take God's fame and make his fame known to those around me? I want to share a story, quick story with you that I got uh, uh, the okay to share with this morning, and that's this. Um, those of you, uh, Solomon is sitting over here to my left. Some of you have, have met Solomon. Um, and, and this is a story about God's fame being known. Back in, I think it was back in October, I was driving home. I was in my car. My wife was behind me in her vehicle, and it was pouring down rain. You know, one of those rains where you got to turn your wipers on all the way because you can't see. It's pouring down rain, and, and, and Solomon is in my neighborhood, pulled over on the side of the road, and he's got the hood up. He's soaking wet. He, you know, he, he's drenched. You know, and he was having car problems. And so, you know, the good Samaritan, myself, you know, I go right on by, you know. Because that was my selfish nature. You know, but I knew, I knew my wife was going to stop. I knew she was going to stop because she's better than me. And so I'm looking in my rearview mirror, and, and sure enough, she pulls over and she stops. And so I make a circle, I go around the neighborhood, and I come back around, and I excuse her, and I tell her to go home. And, you know, and Solomon had, you know, it was a double whammy. His battery had died, and he was out of gas. I mean, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. Your battery's dead and you're out of gas. And, and, and so we take care of that and um, come to, you know, find out, you know, a, a little bit of, uh, of Solomon's story. This guy who just got out of prison and moved to Kansas City because his son lives here. His son was in foster care. And so Solomon was deemed to, you know, he, he, he was trying to get his life back on the right track. And he was trying to be a father to his son. He was trying to make right what was broken. You know, and so we got to talking. I got, hey, I, you know, there's a home for you at Gateway. 
There's people who would love to walk alongside of you and help you in this journey. This was a man without a vehicle, without a car, was in my neighborhood picking up a fridge to go scrap to, you know, to, to, to provide dinner for him and his son that night. About, you know, a month later, Solomon calls me and says, what is this going to look like? I need help. I need, I need people around me that will walk this out. And so Solomon has partnered up with Mercy Ministry and people like Megan, people like Cindy Buttress, Kelly Geyer, Sarah Powell. People have walked alongside of him. He came up to me this morning during worship. You know, I said, hey, I just want to say thank you. And I want you to say thank you for me. Because March 19th, I have a court date that will determine if I have, will receive full custody of my son again. Right now, he has him seven days a week. And on March 19th, he will go to the court and determine if he will have full custody of his son again. And I tell you that story because this journey that he's been on points to God's fame. Because it's a story that only God can write. It has nothing to do with Solomon. It has nothing to do with mercy ministry. It has nothing to do with anybody other than what God has chosen to do and show him. And he gets all the glory for that. He gets all the praise for that. And it's good. And and I tell you that because as we talk about God's renown, as we talk about his fame, sometimes we think about God in a lesser way. Sometimes we get desensitized to who God really is and what God does and what he has done and what he wants to do. We start thinking about God in this small box that we think about everything else in. But God is way bigger than our box and he's way bigger than what we imagine. We don't even have a frame of reference for who God is or what God is capable of. And so we look at Genesis chapter 1, the creation story. It says this, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so as we talk about God's renown, we ask ourselves, what about God's nature? What about His fame do we see right here in these, in these first two verses? And so we look, in the beginning... At some finite point, right, in the past, before things were created, before anything existed, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. So that the implications of in the beginning, God, means that God is self-sustaining. Before there was anything, before there was anything that you can see, before there's anything that you can't see, God existed, In the beginning, God, I mean, God is self-sustaining. He's eternal. He doesn't rely upon you and I to exist. 
He is independent, transcendent of all things. Because if God depended upon something else, he wouldn't be God. There would be something greater than him. But in the beginning, God, he exists for eternity, eternity past, eternity future, and he is not dependent upon anything. He is self-sustaining. He is other than me. He is other than you. We are not self-sustaining. Without my wife, I wouldn't get any laundry done. You know, I probably wouldn't eat half the time. I'm not self-sustaining. I need her. God is self-sustaining. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Heavens and the earth is everything. Everything that you see, everything that you can't see, everything that exists, God created. But it's, but it's deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. Because when we think about creating something, we go, we take two things that already exist and we put them together to make something new. And we call that a creation or an invention, you know, an invention. But remember, this is the beginning. Nothing exists. And it says God created the heavens and the earth. That means he created out of nothing. Nothing. I don't have a frame of reference for that. I don't know how you take nothing and make something. But it points to the the power of God. It points to the creativity of God. And it points to just the otherness of God. And sometimes, you know, we don't think about God in that right perspective. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This is becoming one of my favorite verses right now. It's verse 2, the very beginning of verse 2. The earth was without form and void. Form is that the earth was, the earth was, without, <clears throat> um, was w- w- without order. There was no organization. There was no substance to earth. There was no rhythm. The opposite of form would be confusion, chaos, disembodiment. Scattered, spontaneous. The earth was without form and it was void. Void means there was a lack of substance. There was nothing. So the earth was was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I just picture... This, 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 this place without substance, with no organization, this, just this dark place, you know, and, and I just imagine the spirit of God hovering over that. 
And I think about the Spirit of God hovering. I think about there's, <clears throat> there's some anticipation. Something's, and when you think about something hovering over something, there's an anticipation like something is about to happen. Something's about to go down. And as we read the rest of the creation story, we know that something, something goes down. The order of creation as we go through, you know, like the story was read before day one, you know, all, all, all the things that God, you know, created, he spoke into existence. On the six days, they all start out with, and God said, and God said, that's the power of God's voice. So when we read our Bible, we think about, I'm reading the very words of God in which the very word of God is the source of all creation. Do we think about reading, in the, you know, do we think about reading the Bible in that perspective? That it holds that kind of power. The word of God created all that we see, and yet it is written, and it is right here on these pages, and God still speaks. And do we read the Bible going, yes. This is powerful in my life. Or do we read the Bible and we have this lesser than perspective of what God's word does, of what God's word wants to do and can do in your life? Day one, light, the separation of light and darkness. This is the order of creation. Day two, heavens. The atmosphere, the sky, separation of waters. Day three, the earth and the sea. Seed bearing plants, trees bearing fruits. Day four, the sun, the moon, the stars. Day five, creation, sea creatures, winged birds. Day six, land animals, large, small, livestock, man and woman. Day seven, God rested. All at the very spoken word of God. The power of his voice. And then God also gives order to creation. And that's where we go. The earth was without form. It was without order. And now we see that in creation, God gives everything that we see. He gives it order. He gives it purpose. It's no longer chaos. It's no longer in a state of confusion, but what God creates, he gives purpose, which means this on a practical level, you have purpose. What God creates has purpose. You don't have to walk around throwing your hands up going, what is my purpose? Everything that God makes has purpose. Day one, the day and night cycle is produced. He separates the light, you know, in the darkness, which shows that the earth rotates. Day four, moon is complete and established orbit, which sets forth this passage of time, these seasons, months, years. Day five, God blesses the sea creatures and winged birds and told them to multiply and fill the earth. He gives purpose. Day six, God gave humanity dominion over all living things. 
God blessed humanity and said, be fruitful, multiply. He gives us purpose, subdue the earth, work. He gives us purpose. And one of my favorite things in, uh, you know, that, that, that I read in a book one time um, called The Wild Goose Chase by Mark Batterson. He talks about what an adventure it is to chase the Holy Spirit. And he goes, you know, in this book, Mark Batterson goes, can you imagine being Adam and hearing God say, hey, I want you to have dominion over all the animals, all of living creation, and I want you to name them. I want you to name them. Could you imagine being Adam and walking up to these creatures for the very first time and going, what in the world is this? You know, look at those teeth, you know, are you, are you, you going to bite me? You know, what is that? What should I name that? I mean, think about that adventure. Think about that in journey. That would be awesome. You know, that's, that would be the greatest safari hunt of your entire life. That puts to shame all other hunts, you know. That would be exciting, but God gives man purpose. He gives us purpose. He gives us order. The two things that, 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 that pop out of me in Genesis chapter 1 of the creation story is this. When we talk about God's fame... Is this, we see that God is the creator. God is the creator. I'm not the creator. I wasn't there in the beginning. I don't have the power. When I speak, things don't pop into existence. I can't even get, you know, you know yesterday at the women's event going on, you know, it was like universal daddy's, daddy's day out with all the kids, you know. So me and my brother and Brett Millay and one of his friends, we all had like seven kids with us, you know. And we went out to some swap and shop and then we had lunch at Freddy's and, you know, we were walking in the door, you know. And somebody's like, oh, it must be daddy's day out. And I'm like, yep, sure is. You know, it's just, this is good. But like on daddy's day out, you know, I couldn't even get my daughter to, to behave in the car seat in the car. You know, I'm speaking to her, but she ain't listening you know, she ain't, she's not listening. I don't have the power. My voice doesn't have the power that God has. When he speaks, he creates. When he speaks, he makes new. He is the creator of life. And we need to think about God in the right way. He is the creator of life. You know, so we marvel as you think about putting your head right now, your favorite image in scenery or nature or vacations you've been on, you know, right? And you're just mind blown at the majesty and the beautiful creation that, 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 that God has displayed, that he's put on display out in front of us. I want you to get that image in your mind right now. I want you to think about God brought that into formation out of nothing. You know, and we put, you know, guys like Michelangelo on display and these great sculptors and, you know, Michelangelo's, you know, sculpture of David, you know, he made out of marble. You know, and it was a great feat and this, you know, it's a beautiful sculpture and this piece of art, you know, and it's, it's famous, you know, but 
He needed marble to create it. And God makes out of nothing. That's other than. God is other than. You know, sometimes I'll rave and brag to my wife, you know, you put bacon in the fridge, you know, I can whip something together. We may not have much in there, but you put bacon there, I'll make a nice hearty meal out of it, you know. And I think I have some pretty good creative skills, you know, I'll start mixing stuff together, you know, and just tasting it as I go. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty creative. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. Not on the scale of, uh, of what God displays to us here in Genesis. He's the creator of life, of all things. Psalms 92.5 says, How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. And I kind of laugh at that. I say, yeah, thinking about how you do this hurts my brain. Your thoughts are deep. How great are your works, God? Because I don't have a frame of reference for that. And that's good. And I'm glad that I don't. It's liberating to know that I don't have to have it figured out. Because in the beginning, God had it all figured out. He's got it figured out. And therefore, I don't have to. I don't have to know how to solve this problem. God knows. That's liberating to know that God has it all figured out. And so we ask ourselves, okay, as God the creator, how can, I, how can the creator's renown settle deeper into my heart? Practically, right? Application, peace. How does the creator's renown, how does the creator's fame settle deeper into my heart? What well, requires maybe for us to, to, to stop and enjoy what he's made. Stop and enjoy the sunrise. Stop and enjoy the sunset. Stop and enjoy, you know, your, your, your kids playing. Stop and enjoy people around you. Right? Because my wife stopped in the neighborhood when Solomon was pulled over on the side of the road. She got to see the fame. We got to see the fame of God in that. So when we want, you know, how do we let the creator's renown settle deeper in our heart? We've got to stop and look at what he's doing. Because if God is active, he is always up to something. He is always moving. He's always hovering. And so we wait with anticipation to see what he is going to do. And we want to soak in what he has done. And his fame settles deeper into our heart. That gives new meaning to this creation story. I'm familiar, I've been familiar with the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but it never sank in to my heart in a way that it has this past week, thinking about stopping and looking at nature, stop and looking at creation. I was up at the office last night, and the office is secluded, and there's not a whole lot of lights around, and so you're able to see the stars on a different perspective than you are in a neighborhood. And and just being able to stop and see that lets the fame and renown of God sink deeper into my heart. How does the creator's noun 
How, how is his renown? How, how can we make that known to others? After it has settled into our hearts, how do we, how do we make his creativity known to others? Use your creativity to bless somebody else and point back to God. In God's creativity, He gifted me with my abilities to bless you. Jamie Powell sitting up here has a lot of creative gifts and he makes a lot of things for his family and for other people and it's a blessing. And Jamie uses his creativity to bless other people and it points back to Jamie's gifts point back to God the second thing we see here in Genesis 1 1 through 2 is that God is the he, he, he's the creator right the earth was, the earth was without void meaning it was empty and so all of substance God is the source of all substance Which, you know, which makes me go, is your life filled with any kind of substance? If God is the source of all substance, think about your day. Is it filled with substance? Is it filled with God? He's the creator of substance, and he's also the organizer. He's the author. He gives purpose to what he's set in motion. To what he has created. And so it is our responsibility. If he's the creator and we are responsible to him. It's our then. It is our duty to live inside of that rhythm. Inside of that purpose. And we've been talking about our strategy at Gateway for a number of months now. And one of those being Sabbath. And we know in the creation story on the seventh day. God rested. That was part of his organized for all of creation. Is that God rested. Do we? Do we rest? Because these tie together. If we will live inside the design God has for us, we will see the renown of God. Because if we stop and rest, we will see the sunrise or the sunset. We will notice what he is up to. They go hand in hand. He's the, he's the organizer. And when you stop and you look at creation and you look at nature, you know, Romans, it talks about all of creation is a testimony to the witness of God, is a witness to the testimony of God. I mean, we're all without excuse. Because nature screams and points to God's glory. Because if you watch, you know, a lot of times you watch, you know, creation, animals, or or nature, and you see that nature doesn't argue with the will of God. It doesn't. The birds know when it's time to go south. Right? Every winter, the leaves fall off the tree. And never ceases to fail that fish are always hungry early in the morning. The sun comes up every morning. It goes down every evening. 
here in Missouri, we know that every year we're going to get four seasons. This, this, this happens, you know. Nature doesn't argue with the will of God. Jeremiah, you know, 8, 7, Sharon, you know, Alexander, our, our children's pastor, sent me this text this week, and I loved it. She said, even the stork in the heavens knows her times, and the turtle dove, swallow, and crane keep their time of their coming, but the people know not the rules of God. It's just a testimony to that creation knows who the creator is. And it, it, it begs to ask the question, do we know who our creator is? Ecclesiastes, Solomon says in uh, Ecclesiastes 1, 4 through 7, A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. Creation is this mechanical thing that happens and operates under the will of God, and it never ceases to fail. The earth hasn't stopped rotating. The moon continues to orbit. God continues to hold us in the exact place we need to be. Because I, I don't know, it's, I'm not a science nerd, but somebody told me one time, if we were like one degree closer or one degree further away from the sun, we'd either you know, get, get, get scorched or we'd freeze. But we're in the exact place we need to be. And every day it never fails. Because God holds it in place. He's the organizer. And it's good. And creation doesn't argue with him. And so, practically, how does the author's renown settle deeper into our hearts? What does your Sabbath look like? Are you taking time to stop? Ask your kids, because kids are honest with you. Ask them, am I busy? They'll tell you. Kids are convicting. Ask them, am I busy? How can you make the author's renown known to others? Well, when people see you on a daily basis and they watch you live your life with your family, with others, do they go, that person has purpose? I know that that person has identity. They know why they're here. Because if we can walk with purpose, we will point to God's fame. We will point to He is the purpose setter. He is the author of what I do. He gives reason. Creation is fine-tuned, and I am fine-tuned with a purpose. If you got your Bibles, go to John chapter 11. 
You know, this, this scene behind me here was made by Anessa Johnson, who has a, a, a creative gene that, that I don't have, you know. And, and so this is a practical example for you this morning of how Anessa's creativity points to the creativity of God. And, I, and what I love about this is, is these curtains are revealing the cross. And we go, what does that have to do with God's creation? What does that have to do with the creation story? It has everything to do with the cross. Because the whole Bible is about Jesus. It points to who Jesus is. It points to his coming. And so John chapter 11, verse 25, says this. And Jesus said to her, her is Martha, the sister of Lazarus, who, 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 has, been Lazarus, who has been dead for four days now. And Jesus says to her, says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is one of the seven statements, the I am statements that Jesus makes. And he goes, I am the resurrection and the life. And so how do we, you get from Genesis to John chapter 11. Jesus says, you know, we see that God is the awesome and creator of life. And here is Jesus going, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am life. In me is found life. Genesis says that the world was at one point without void. It was without form. It was void. There was a time in our lives due to the fall that where we were without substance. We were without life. We were without form. Paul says that we were dead in our sins. We had fallen short of the glory of God. And so our life was lifeless. We had none. And it was without form. And Jesus says, I can resurrect that. I can give life to that. Just as God has given life to creation, just as God has given order to creation, Jesus says, I can resurrect your void and formless life if you will follow me, if you will trust me, if you will have a personal relationship with me, I can resurrect that. I will give you life. It's beautiful. I am the resurrection and the life. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, you're in this place of, um, you're like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what my purpose is. I feel like I'm just floating I don't have a real rhyme and reason to why I even came this morning. I just, I don't know. I feel hopeless. What we see in the creation story is it points to the cross and it points to Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. I make all things new. 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, the old has gone, the new has come. Jesus makes all things new. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, just as the Spirit of God was hovering over creation in the beginning. And so we read the creation story and we see this foreshadowing of the life to come that was lived out in front of us. Was a sacrifice for us. Was resurrected so that we could be resurrected. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And they're going to lead us in a time of worship. And and here's, here's the question, okay? Practical peace now for how do I make the renown of Christ known to others? Christ says, I am the resurrection and the life. How do I make that known to others? Well, just like I was sharing with you this morning, Solomon's testimony You also have a testimony of when your life was previously void and without form and it was lifeless and you were not pursuing Christ. And now, as a follower of Christ, Jesus has redeemed that. And you have life and you have purpose. And he's asked you to share that testimony And so that's how we can make the renown, the fame of God known to those around us is we share our testimony. We put skin on what Jesus says in John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. And if that's true for us, then we walk around as a product of that. And we share that with other people. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are, the creator of us, of everything that we see. And that means, that means something. It means that everything comes from your voice. Everything is in accord with your voice. And that means something to us. It means that, God, we just, as a church, we want to lean into what your voice is saying. And we want to see the power that comes from your voice speaking. Just as all creation was formed from your voice. And so as creator, we want to lean into that. God, you're the author. You're the purpose setter. You give us rhyme and reason to why we exist. And because of that, we can know why we get up out of bed every morning. And so we can walk this life looking different than what's around us because we know that you have given us purpose. And we were designed with a purpose. And we rest in that. 
And God, we're thankful that you sent your son who says, I am the resurrection and the life because we were all, God, we don't kid ourselves. We were all without life, formless. Until you chose us, until you sent your son to save us. And so we just want to be a testimony now to your fame, to the creator of life. God, we want to worship you now. 